Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. The book of Micah pinpoints numerous rebellions against God that plagued Israel during his days as a prophet. No one would willingly volunteer for the office of a prophet because more often than not, they had bad news to relay to the leaders and priests of Israel, news that wouldn't go over well and certainly would not be accepted by and large. Yet God called these prophets to that work so that they were usually faithful in doing what God called them to do, even when it meant major resistance from the king's priests and even the people of Israel. Now, Looking over today's religious landscape, it's not that difficult to see huge mega churches peppered throughout the USA. And these mega churches are filled with thousands of people every Sunday and during the week where there are a ton of activities for every age group. Do you think that the uh, main pastors of those churches teach all of God's word or essentially what the people attending want to hear? Well, the prophet Micah was rebuffed and rebuked for daring to tell the people what God wanted him to tell them, but what the people preferred not to hear. And the kings, the priests, the average Israelite tried their best to cancel Micah because of his message. They pushed back by demanding that he stop telling them what he was telling them. In essence, they were really ultimately trying to cancel God. How different is it today? Is it? Throughout global society, there are continual attempts to silence, cancel, and dox anyone who says something that does not agree with the satanic Marxist communist political agenda. And this canceling extends to authentic Christians who love God's word and submit themselves to him. Authentic Christians are increasingly being canceled because the world simply doesn't want to hear the truth. Since authentic Christians tend to remind the world that God exists, he has a plan, and that plan includes judgment of this world and all of its evil, it's understandable why they want to cancel us, because they don't want to hear it. Now, during Micah's day, because of the nation's many continual failures and rebellions against God, Israel had already been divided into two kingdoms, the northern and southern kingdoms. The capital of the northern kingdom, Israel, was Samaria, and the capital of the southern kingdom, Judah, was Jerusalem. Now, there was great animosity between these two kingdoms and people of these main cities, which carried over to Jesus's day, where Samaritans were so looked down upon by, quote-unquote, real Jews of Judah and Jerusalem. But Micah wastes no time in warning both kingdoms of impending judgment and doom. Micah 1, 1 and 2 says this, The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, the vision he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear, you peoples, all of you, listen, earth, and all who live in it, that the sovereign Lord may bear witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. The opening introduction is meant to gain people's attention. There are no pleasantries here. God is getting ready to unload. He continues, verse 3 and 4 and 5 says, Look, 
The Lord is coming from his dwelling place. He comes down and treads on the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath him, and the valleys split apart like wax before the fire, like water rushing down a slope. All this is because of Jacob's transgression, because of the sins of the people of Israel. What is Jacob's transgression? Is it not Samaria? What is Judah's high place? Is it not Jerusalem? God's anger here is tangible toward Israel and Judah, forcing God to announce judgment on the wayward nation of peoples. Micah is telling Israel and Judah that God is very angry and the rod of his correction is about to be applied. It is due to Jacob's transgression. Now, Israel is often called Jacob in scripture or just Israel. Micah's words are simply the preamble for what is coming, and it's not pretty. In verses 6 and 7, God expressly details what he will do to both Samaria and Jerusalem in judgment. Starting in Micah 1.8, the prophet tells how he is going to react to what God has stated. Note that Micah says, quote, Samaria's plague is incurable. It has spread to Judah. Verse 9a, there's no chance of a reprieve, though God holds out the caveat of eventual restoration for the nation. Now, what I found interesting about the book of Micah is the description of sins that God said Israel and Judah routinely committed. In Micah chapter 2, 1 to 2, it says this, Woe to those who plan iniquity, in those who plot evil on their beds. At morning's light, they carry it out because it is in their power to do it. They covet fields and seize them and houses and take them. They defraud people of their homes. They rob them of their inheritance. Now, note that the problem stemmed from evil people who would literally lie on their beds at night just thinking up ways to do evil things to enrich themselves. And as soon as the sun came up, their feet were on the floor putting those evil plans into action. Well, again, what specifically were these plans? Well, verse 2 says four things they stole fields that didn't belong to them, they took homes that were not theirs, they defrauded people. And they stole another person's inheritance. What is happening today? Well, lockdowns due to the pandemic of 2020 killed many small businesses. People who had spent their hard-earned money and lots of time to create those small businesses, which took months or years to gain success, saw these businesses wiped out nearly overnight. Why? Well, because their businesses were not approved or considered essential only a small portion of businesses were allowed to remain open during the pandemic. And it was all for our safety, of course. And people obviously could not be trusted to make wise decisions about their own safety. So the powers that be made the decision to shut down virtually everything that they decided was not essential. And that, of course, included churches. I can't help but wonder if there might be a repeat of this to some degree after the coming midterm elections in November. Once the left feels secure in their wins? Well, if so, it'll involve a great deal more than just locking people down again. We are set to experience tremendous shortages of food, fuel, and other products that most people need to survive. But the lockdowns created even more immense wealth for certain people. Companies like 
Walmart, Costco, Lowe's, Home Depot, and a few other lucky businesses that were allowed to remain open. Grocery stores were also often able to remain open, as well as fast food places, oh, and of course, liquor stores. But there were major changes in the way the public was allowed to shop at those places. All in all, it resulted ultimately in a huge transfer of wealth from the middle class to the super rich. Same type of thing happened in 2008 with the housing crash and resulting recession. Multitudes of people lost their homes because they had taken out lines of credit against their homes and one day woke up to realize that they were completely upside down in their homes because of the value of their homes had taken such a major dive. Yet they still had to pay the high mortgage and credit loans, etc., and they found it difficult to afford it, with also losing their jobs because of this. They were living in a house they could no longer afford, essentially. And the massive amount of bankruptcies that transferred homes from private buyers to banks and other corporate lenders was huge. Rich folks were able to buy these homes and properties for next to nothing. Well, since the pandemic, CV jabs have been pushed in spite of the multitude of adverse reactions and even unexplained and sudden deaths. The government keeps marching on as though there was nothing wrong. The CDC also has recently voted to include the CV jab in childhood vaccine programs and, quote, despite the clear risks of vaccinating during pregnancy, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has approved a whooping cough vaccine for newborns that is given to mothers in the third trimester of the pregnancy. This is the first vaccine aimed at infants that is to be preemptively given to the mother during pregnancy. Now, beyond this, they've also come out with what they're calling a malnutrition vaccine in preparation for an imminent global food catastrophe. Hmm. Globalists seem to have a good thing going, and they also seem intent on getting it done by 2030 at the very latest by using any means necessary, including but not limited to deceptively evil practices across the board. It's really not about our health. It's about our control. Hard to believe people still think the governments of the world are actually concerned about our safety and well-being. It is absurd. Just as globalists today are doing what they can to gain more power and wealth, Israel's and Judah's rulers and the priests and the rich people, often the same people, were deceptively conniving to gain even more wealth. And since they had enough money granting them power, it was difficult to stop them. Whatever they could accomplish to cheat average people is what they did. It was about gaining as much money as they possibly could for the purpose of gaining power. That's what it's all about. It's not just getting rich. It's getting rich to gain power. I'm reading many warnings about another potential housing market crash sometime in 2023, and this is also added to the severe food and product shortages and even famine conditions that are developing throughout the world. Well, the Fed just recently stated that the housing market is poised for a quote-unquote correction. Specifically, we don't know what that means or how it will look because the word correction is deliberately vague and ambiguous. We can assume that many will lose their homes or continue to be priced out of the market and not be able to buy a home. 
And so this means that more homes will go to the super rich people and corporations. They will then rent these homes out at very high prices to those who can afford them. And let's not forget the talk of World War III also continues with new dire warnings that the use of nuclear weaponry is on the horizon. So the globalists of the old northern and southern kingdoms of Israel were no different toward their Jewish brethren than today's globalists are toward us. The only real difference is that today's globalists have their sights set on global domination. They want the world. These globalists today are creating all sorts of havoc to destroy what currently exists so that they can, quote, build back better. This is how it worked on a more localized scale in ancient Israel and Judah. Too many kings and priests were in it for themselves, not to be shepherds of the people. And Micah even mentions one particular king in Micah 1, King Ahaz, who was thoroughly sold out to the selfish evil that he was. And as one example, he wanted Naboth's vineyard and tried to buy it from him, but Naboth wouldn't sell. Well, Queen Jezebel stepped in and used the Mosaic law against Naboth by hiring quote-unquote worthless men to falsely accuse Naboth that he had broken the Mosaic law. Now, this is from a woman who broke that law daily by worshiping Baal. The result was Naboth's murder, allowing Ahaz to simply take Naboth's vineyard. 1 Kings 21, 1-16. Is there really anything new under the sun? The people of Micah's day rejected his message. They didn't want to hear it, and they didn't want to hear from God. They wanted Micah to be gone and to take his message of doom with him. In fact, tradition holds that Micah was literally canceled to death. King Ahab's son, Joram, killed Micah by throwing the prophet off a cliff. Joram became incensed when Micah rebuked him for the wickedness of his fathers. Are we welcoming God in his word or are we trying to cancel him? Are we observing the times? Is his judgment on the way as it was during Micah's day? In spite of this, or maybe because of it, it is imperative that Christians cement their relationship with God, submit to his will, and allow him to lead us according to the perfection of his will. In all ways, we must live righteously so that God will be glorified. In spite of potential judgment coming, God still expects his children to carry out his will until he comes or we die, either one. Let's be sure we're not canceling God. Let's instead ensure that he gains mastery over all areas of our lives, regardless of potential repercussions from doing so. This is not a once-for-all endeavor, but a daily practice of submitting to him for his will and good pleasure, as well as our spiritual growth. Well, thank you so much for joining me, and I pray until we meet again that God would open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical conservative perspective. 